welcome to a wibbly wobbly timey wimey minisode. I'm Lucia Kelly. And I'm Talia Franks. And we're coming to you outside of our regularly scheduled episode for some breaking news. So Talia. So Lucia. Have you heard? <laughs> the big news. Yeah. Oh my goodness. This is crazy, crazy wild. But breaking news. RTD's coming back to Doctor Who. He's back. <laughs> okay. All right. So thoughts. What do you think? He's coming back. I'm cautiously excited. I think one of the things that we as a fandom deal with is the fact that we look at Russell T Davies era with rose tinted glasses because mm-hmm. Stephen Moffat was so bad <laughs> <laughs> because Stephen Moffat was so bad we look back at Russell T Davies with this fondness and this mm-hmm. nostalgia that as we've seen as we've been analyzing it is not like 100% accurate. Mm-hmm. I do think he's better than Stephen Moffat. I'm not qualified to talk on him in comparison with Chris Chibnall. I've only seen, I think, See, five episodes. That's, that's exactly my thing. And I'm not sure if the microphone is picking up my snapping, but this is exactly my thing is I think a lot of people are excited about RTD in particular because they never gave Chibnall a chance because mm. Moffat burned them. <laughs> <laughs> never gave Chibnall a chance. Chibnall was the rebound after the toxic boyfriend. Yes, Chibnall. He, was they the never rebound. considered him an actual person. They were just there for their own emotional growth. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and now the old flames come back, and it's like he's interested in me. <laughs> It'll work out this time, I swear. <laughs> The one thing I am like really, one thing I'm excited about is that the show going back to its roots of being grounded in everyday humanity. That Mm -hmm. is something that Rusty Davies does incredibly well. And I'm excited to see that. I'm also excited to see, you know, queer representation that doesn't make me cry inside which is another thing Russell T Davies is good at I mean it does make you cry but in a good kind of way as opposed to the I'm angry at the world and why the fuck can't we just get good representation kind of way (laughs) yeah but at the same time I'm like I feel in terms of representation I don't know that Rusty Davies did a great job. I don't know that Chibnall did a great job. I feel like for white men, they both did as good jobs as they could without hiring writers who actually came from those backgrounds. And I think, you know, Chibnall did a better job of it, actually, because he actually, you know, made the step of actually hiring writers of color (laughs) and actually hiring more women writers and shocker of all shockers he hired women writers of color but he also did a lot of co-writing which really bothers me I wish he'd like let people write their own episodes instead of like co-writing them all the time yeah definitely anyway that's not (laughs) that's neither here nor there the point 
I mean, I know that writing is a collaborative process. I just wish that, you know, there was a black woman who had her own episode that wasn't co-written. Yeah, definitely diversity has to start in the writer's room. It has to start with the crew. It has to start with the production team. It's great to see diversity on the screen because that's the most sort of direct view that the average viewer gets. But but if the, the foundation is, isn't there, it leads to all kinds of complications. But the thing is, like, if there, yes, there's diversity on the screen and like the words are coming out of the mouth of a black person but if they're not written by a black person it's just I don't know it's it's not blackface but it feels like it (laughs) because it's not like a black person actually wrote that it's not like they said that like they're saying it because but it's just they're being a vehicle for some white person's words Mm. and that's definitely like it has been it has been 20 years I'm gonna I'm gonna put faith in the fact that the industry has kind of developed and also that Russell T Davies as a writer as a showrunner has developed and advanced with the times I've liked his recent projects and what he's been doing I like the sort of things he's said in interviews and things like that. What I'm not as excited about, and this is more of a, a problem with New Who as a whole, but Russell T. Davies definitely set that precedent, is the hanky-panky, the, uh, mm. the, the canoodling, the... Yeah, the doctor being a romantic interest for the companions. I, mm. I also am not, I'm not interested in seeing another conventionally attractive white man doctor who is romancing all the companions and who is like the center of the whole show and is, you know, some sort of lonely God mm. has to save the day all the time. I feel like one of the good things about the 13th doctor is that in her run is that she's been decentered as the doctor and that the stories have been about the doctor and the companions as a unit. But the thing is, is that if we go back to the doctor being centered again and the doctor being like the focus of the show and it being a male doctor again, that'll mean that the only time the doctor was decentered, the only time the doctor was not the romantic focus of the story will be when it was a woman doctor. Mm-hmm. I find it very interesting that when the doctor is a man, he can have romantic interest in his female companions. But when the doctor is a woman, she can't have romantic interest in her female companions or male companions, right? Mm-hmm. That it's a desexualization of the doctor, which is, again, what I want. But given that we've introduced this element, it has to be removed with care. I feel like Peter Capaldi's doctor was definitely... I feel like the desexualization of the doctor began with Peter Capaldi's doctor. That was something that I remember reading Peter Capaldi when he took on the 
mantle of the doctor was very firm about that he didn't want any hanky panky in his TARDIS. So that was actually really refreshing for me when I saw season eight, that was very much not at, for all the misgivings I have about season eight. And honestly, I'm starting to come around on season eight. I'm starting to think, you know, season eight wasn't that bad, but for all my misgivings about it, I really do. I think that's definitely why Peter Capaldi is like my doctor and why I love him so much is because I feel like he definitely didn't have any of that. And it's funny that I loathe Moffat so much and yet I love 12 so much. It's it's an interesting cognitive dissonance in my head. <laughs> my love of 12 and my dislike of <laughs> and my dislike of Moffat. Well, from all I've heard Peter Capaldi was very vocal about the way that his doctor was going to be represented. And I think you can see that in the finished product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard several interviews where he like put a stop to certain things in the writing or in episodes or fought back against mm-hmm. certain representations of what the doctor would be doing. Mm-hmm. And My heart, I love that. I love when actors are given the space to and given the authority and that the culture of the set and the environment is open and collaborative enough that that's possible because it's so Mm -hmm. important. Of course, the showrunner is thinking of a hundred different things at once. It's, it reminds me a lot of my experience as a role player in terms of like RPGs and stuff. Mm -hmm. The role of DM or GM of game master and of player are very different. The And depending on, you know, the skill of the player and the game master, you're going to have different levels of games, just mm-hmm. as with a TV show, you have the showrunner and you have the actor. And the game master is thinking of 100 different things at once. They've got, you know, 100 different strings on the line. And that leads to a very cohesive view but not necessarily a specific view the player Mm -hmm. the actor is the one who's thinking about the character the motivations the story 24 7 they're in the role if they're Mm -hmm. you know treating it with respect Mm -hmm. and so they're more often going to have a much clearer view of those things because they spend more time thinking about it the game master the showrunner simply does not have the time to think about each character and their journey with the same level of dedication and thought. Mm-hmm. And that's perfectly normal and human. So the best stories come from when you can have a truly collaborative experience and everyone mm-hmm. can pitch in. And from everything that I've read, everything I've heard, that was very much the vibe of the Capaldi era which Mm -hmm. led to a better doctor. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) But we're not here to gush over Capaldi, who I will will happily gush over Capaldi whenever and wherever. But however, I think we were supposed to be talking about Rusty Davies. (laughs) Got into a little tangent there. Yeah, I am looking I am looking forward to seeing what Rusty Davies brings back. I think also bringing him back was honestly a really smart choice on the part of the BBC just because I feel like after everything that has happened with and the thing is so much of what 
so much of what the modern era of Doctor Who has done hasn't even been that progressive or hasn't even been that like people often call Doctor Who too like woke or whatever and the thing is one it's not even that woke like having a white woman doctor is not having one white woman at the end of a long line of white men is not revolutionary And the show having moderately leftist viewpoints from a political point of view is also not woke. Like, they're barely scratching the surface of what they could do. (laughs) They're barely scratching the surface. It is a very moderate leftist show. That's it. It's not breaking any boundaries. (laughs) It's not breaking any boundaries. And it's honestly not going nearly as far as many people, including myself, wish it would. And honestly... Like, to the extent that it is, like, woke or whatever, Doctor Who has always been political. It's always been pushing what boundaries they decided to push. Like, it's always been, like, so people saying that it's too political when it's always been political. It's always been saying things, like, way back to classic Who. So, like, people complaining... Sci-fi as a genre is inherently political because sci-fi as a genre asks the writer, asks the creator to envision new worlds. So when you're envisioning new worlds, you are inherently looking at our current world and creating a new one. You are creating it from the old. And very often they use it to explore different avenues of the what if question. What mm-hmm. if this happened? What if this happened? Whether that's what yeah. if this happened in the future or what if this happened in the past? Asking those questions inherently looks at the interweaving enmeshed threads of what makes up our universe. And as much as people who have the liberty and privilege to do so, to say that things aren't political. That is not true. The world is inherently political because it is inherently human and humans create society. Society creates politics, right? Like it's all about our connections and our communications and our relationships to each other and the categories that we put ourselves in. And that is what builds the world and that is what builds our fiction and that is what builds sci-fi. There is no aspect of our media that is not political (laughs) and it's not making a statement, whether that's inherent, whether that's on purpose or whether that is the implicit subtext of where the writer is coming from. Yeah. And also, I think it's very telling that a lot of people think it's too political to have a world that's not made up of and ruled by white men (laughs) yep and that's i'm gonna leave it at that the thing that i was trying to get at is that because people think that chibnall's era which is just a little bit too leftist for some people is too political and too woke and because it was so divisive and because so many people fled after moffat I think that bringing back RTD was the really smart choice because if they'd gone a bit farther and brought on, you know, shocker, shockers, a woman or a person of color to be the showrunner 
or even just, you know, another white man who's an unknown, like that would be chaos and open up a whole can of worms and people fighting over, is this person good enough or this person's politics or this, or this person's politics or this, or this person's too much like RTD is, you know, he's the, the only one everyone can agree on. He's like the bridge, the peacemaker, the, like the one that people can all be like, okay, like he, he's the one that we can like go forward with. So I feel like I feel like we don't really know what's going to happen in the future, but it makes sense to bring him back at least for a couple years, like maybe two, three, four max, probably just to smooth over the transition before we try again, hopefully with someone not Moffat. Yeah. <laughs> not Moffity. Yeah. yeah. We're um, not asking for the whole cycle to renew. We're, we're not just asking, asking for the for whole this cycle one. to renew. <laughs> we're just asking for a soft reboot. <laughs> I think also the issue with Moffat isn't even that he's a bad writer, because he's not. He's a great he's not. writer. We've established that. We've established he's a, brilliant he's a writer. fantastic, brilliant writer. I think his issue is that he was split in too many different directions. Like you said, the showrunner, the game master has to have their eye on the ball and has to have has to have the cohesive vision of everything that's going on. Moffat was doing too many things at once. He was trying to run Doctor Who and Sherlock at the same time. Those are two massive, massive projects. And trying to do all that at once is just too much for any one person. Just one of those projects feels like too much for one person (laughs) and like trying to mastermind all that, like it's too much. It's just too much. And I feel like both of the projects suffered for it in the end. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, We, we're, we're not going to talk about how Sherlock ended. That's. (laughs) I never saw the end of Sherlock because I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to deal with that. Oh. No. What I would love to see in this new era with Russell T Davies at the helm is one I want a woman of color as the doctor. I saw a theory that I think might be maybe accurate that they test new ideas by doing it with the master so like first they made the master a woman and everyone loved it so now they made the doctor a woman and then they made the master (laughs) a man of color and I'm like hmm interesting please (laughs) I would love that and I would also I would also love to see a bigger TARDIS not the ship but like the companions one of the sort of things that New Who hasn't really delved in they delved in a little bit with 13 is extended periods with more than one companion like two to three three to four like I want a bigger team and Mm -hmm. because it works it gives you more story elements it gives you more dynamics and it also as you say decentralizes from the doctor and makes it a much more interesting and compelling story by doing that you create so many more opportunities and also reduce the chance of hanky-panky. 
and I would love to see it. So I have a lot of thoughts. First, I'm going to react to what you said. <laughs> I would also love to see a person of color as a doctor. However, caveat, RTD needs to hire more writers of color. Full mm-hmm. stop. I would love to see for our new doctor more than who the new doctor is I just in the writer's room I want to see more women more people of color especially I want to have more queer narratives I want to have more disability narratives I want to have like you said a bigger TARDIS but I want to make sure that the people in the TARDIS are actually given room to have character growth. I think the thing that was missing in 13's era, which I know you've only seen the first few episodes, so you haven't had time to fully appreciate the fact that Yaz and Ryan in particular just don't have a lot of time to develop as characters. I'm sorry to spoil this for you. They do not have a lot of character growth in the in the whole two seasons that we meet them. Like they do have, Ryan has an arc, which is good. Yaz, so I don't know if you listen to the Queer Archive podcast, but there, you probably don't because you haven't actually, because you actually haven't watched the seasons that they cover. But the hosts of that podcast have a, segment where they talk about whether or not Yaz can be lifted out of the episode because that's how bad it is with regard to with regard to Yaz's presence in a lot of these episodes so when I say that like the development for the extra characters in the TARDIS is bad it can get pretty bad so I think that's one of the things that I'm really looking forward to in the new RTD era is getting to know the companions really well. Because I feel like we talk about Rose and how she has a lot of flaws that aren't fully examined. But, you know, we know what her flaws are. We know who she is as a character. We know, I feel like we get to know the characters really well in RTD's era. And even, but I feel like that's something that, that's something missing in Chibnall's era is that with so many people in the TARDIS, it felt at times, like, I did get to know Yaz and Ryan. I feel like I had an idea of who they were. And I was able to fill that in for myself and imagine myself into them in a really full and realized way. But I know for a lot of other people, they felt kind of flat because they weren't as developed as, say, Rose or Martha or Donna. And then I feel like in Moffat's era, Amy and Clara were defined by the doctor so that's just something I'm really looking forward to in RTD's new era is as you said grounding people in their everyday realities this has been the wibbly wobbly timey wimey podcast we hope you enjoyed this adventure with us through space and time you can find us elsewhere on the internet on twitter tumblr and instagram as at wibbly pod follow us for more wibbly wobbly content you can find out more information about us and our content on wibblywobblytimeywimey.net and full transcripts for episodes at wibblywobblytimeywimey.net slash transcripts. If you'd like to get in touch, you can send us an email at wibblywobblytimeywimeypod at gmail.com. 
Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and other platforms as it helps other people find us and our content. Special thanks to our editor, Owen Elphick, who has been a vital member of the Wibbly Wobbly team. That's all for now. Catch you in the time vortex.